Welcome to Living Through the Word, the podcast ministry of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, a diocese of the Anglican Church in North America. Here we'll bring in different voices from across the diocese and around Anglicanism to discuss topics that matter for you, your ministry, for following Christ today. I'm Julian Dobbs, the Diocesan Bishop of the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, and it's my great privilege and pleasure to welcome to this episode Bishop Thad Barnum. In fact, I first learned about Bishop Barnum back in my days when I was living in New Zealand, and a mutual colleague of ours, uh, Bishop Derek Eaton, spoke to me about this man, Thad Barnum, that he had met on a visit to Pittsburgh. Thad was consecrated a bishop in Denver, Colorado, by Archbishop Emmanuel Collini in 2001. He's a man that has an incredible ministry across the breadth of the church, especially right now, to clergy and leaders. Thad, thanks so much for being with us on this program. It's great to have you with us. Bishop Julian, thank you so much, and um, it's a delight to be here, and so very thankful for you and Brenda and your um, amazing leadership in these days. Um, thank you. Well, Bishop Thad, thank you for yours and your connection with us. Uh, you've served in churches, I think, in Connecticut and Pennsylvania, South Carolina. Uh, you've been married to Erilyn for uh, many years. You're a great couple. You minister together. Tell us just a little bit about the two of you, your family, and how you came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. Well, um, I, you know, it's it's a, it's a, amazing to us that there was in the in the early days, there was a renewal movement, a fire in the Episcopal Church um, that actually spread Catholic, uh, uh, Lutheran, uh, other denominations, just a renewal, a fire um, of the Holy Spirit in the church, bringing the word of God alive. And that's actually where Erin and I met. Uh, uh, we met in a church um, that uh, was in Connecticut and was a live, a live Episcopal Church uh, proclaiming the word. Uh, we had a wonderful pastor by the name of Terry Fulham and deeply impacting our lives, gave us a hunger for the word, a hunger for discipleship, uh, and, uh, and a passion to see God the Holy Spirit do work in and through the body of Christ to the world. And so that's where I met Erilyn. Um, she was already teaching, uh, uh, discipling uh, in that church when I arrived. Um, and that actually is where we met. Um, I, I grew up in the church um, uh, in, in the Episcopal setting, but I did not have uh, in any experience of the church growing up uh, a sense of that saving power. Uh, it was a traditional church. It was, a, I think in common language, it was quite a dead church. Um, I had, during high school days, I had people uh, that... Uh, uh, from Campus Crusade and other kinds of uh, uh, ministries like that, beginning to just speak the word, the the Bible, in a, in a way that uh, was leading to a personal, a saving relationship with Jesus. Um, my dad uh, came to faith first. My sister came to faith. Um, there was a sound of it uh, uh, beginning to just come into my family. Uh, um, by the age of 16, my mother had died, and I did not know how to process that grief. 
Uh, I went to the University of Michigan, and during that time at the University of Michigan, there was a group of Christians that um, that just found me, and uh, and that during that time, I uh, I was I was I was found um, a hunger. There was a hunger inside of me that I, and they just they led me to faith in Jesus. That was a that suddenly put all the pieces together. You know how that is. It just um, and and uh, mm. and for me during those days at the end of college, I I had a a very strong desire to go and spend my life serving the Lord. Um, and it really was those days that I would say to you uh, that wonderful experience, as Wesley said, the heart strangely warmed. Um, does that make sense, Bishop Julian? Yes, that's 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 precious, isn't it? And isn't that phrase just so beautiful? As you as you picture the Holy Spirit working in our lives, drawing us closer and closer to the heart of the Father, a heart strangely warmed, and uh, being warmed deeper into the beautiful, precious, holy, and and beckoning love uh, of the Father. Um, Bishop Thad, you you've you've been involved um, in ministry in a variety of contexts as a rector, as a planter, uh, now as a bishop. Can you tell us just a little bit about that? You know, I think I think it was during those early days with Erilyn that um, we both had just a, um, a a strong conviction that the ex- the exposition of the scriptures, the the bringing the word of God alive by the Spirit of God to the people of God, uh, really became a a focus for both of us. Um, whether that was in the context of church planting, which we first did coming out of seminary and uh, going to Pittsburgh to plant a church uh, very near a Trinity School for Ministry, um, very near the Pittsburgh airport. We spent uh, nine, ten years at that church, uh, really grounding and building it. And uh, um, even then coming down here to uh, South Carolina, where we presently are, uh, later to to Connecticut uh, to plant uh, another church. I think always this passion to bring the word of God to the heart, um, not just the academic learning of it, but but allowing the the um, the spirit of God to to actually bring a freedom, a, a new power to the, our life uh, that actually brings kind of that sanctifying gift, growing us, maturing us that we might um, be in the Lord's service all our days. And so I would say to you that no matter the context of how we served in the different roles and functions, um, that passion to uh, to bring people to maturity in Jesus became our focus. Um, is that a helpful response back? Yeah, that, that's lovely because it helps us just uh... – begin to engage in 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 the way you minister and you and Erilyn have been used by the Lord. Just before we move on to some other things, uh, may, may we stay in Pittsburgh just for a moment? I think last year marked the 25th anniversary of the uh, – um, plane crash, U.S. Air Flight 427. You were around Pittsburgh in those days. Can you just – you've talked to me about this before. Can you just re, re – experience that in some way and the ministry you were able to have as a result of that. Yeah. So uh, thank you for that kindness. Um, yeah, it was just, it was September 8, 1994. And, uh, we were, um, uh, in the church, uh, there was a, a, a group of, it was literally, uh, planning, praying and having our worship team, uh, uh, 
praying through Sunday morning service. And, and, uh, and uh, we had uh, in our worship team, we had a pilot, we had uh, a guy who worked uh, in the management of U.S. Airways, uh, we had a flight attendant. Uh, we were so close to the airport that the industry of the airport was part of this church plant that we were in. And at 7.03, um, suddenly everything came alive in that church, just sirens, police, and ambulance, and and. Uh, and that's when we got word that this 737-300 um, flying from Chicago to Pittsburgh had crashed. And so we piled into the car, went the back roads uh, to, to the woods where we, um, I'll never forget coming over the, just the rolling hills of Western Pennsylvania and seeing the dark plume of smoke coming out mm. of the woods. Um, this plane was coming in at 5,000 feet and, and suddenly jerked to the left, jerked to the left and went straight into the ground. Um, I had just worked with the county coroner at a funeral just two days prior. And so at 9.30 that night, uh, when the, the, the area where all the ambulances and all the fire trucks and police were headquartered in a, in a, uh, in a large parking lot uh, outside a mall, um, I went to the county coroner after he'd gotten back and he looked at me and said, there are no survivors. Mm. Um, the next morning, I mean, before dawn, Bishop Alden Hathaway called and said, Barnum, get in the car and get down to the command post. We're going to the site. And um, I had my assistant, Ken Ross, who's now a bishop in Colorado, yes. and, and also Bishop Ritahana from Africa with me. And uh, we got down there, and I was so impressed with the Salvation Army. They had gotten mm. to that site so fast. And uh, we went over to the Salvation Army truck, and they said, gentlemen, let's we'll be the first ones there but are you ready to go to the site because the site wasn't yet opened and uh mm. and when we got to the site I, I i could go on a long time i don't want to take too much time but we got to, we got to the site and they'd already put the yellow tape across uh this this rolling this 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 rugged road this dirt road and an old milling road uh, that led to exactly where the plane had nosedived straight in and it was just a catastrophic mess and the yellow tape just stood there and Bishop Hathaway said, said, Lord Jesus, would you, would you send workers in that will bear the testimony of you? And I was praying, yes, Lord, send people in. Uh, and he turned to me and said, Barnum, I'm talking about you. And I cannot tell you the fear that struck my heart of passing into that yellow tape. I, the idea of going into the depths of Psalm 23, the valley of the shadow of death, all the bodies, all the brokenness, all the parts. I wasn't designed. I could, I could stay back at the site and counsel people, but to go in. And, um, and that's where Bishop Hathaway just made an impact on my life and said, I think, the, I think that the Holy Spirit's calling you and your associate to spend these next days inside that yellow tape uh, to be with people who can't handle it either. And bring the love of Jesus, the comfort of Jesus, in the midst of that of that destruction, and that that's exactly what happened. We spent the next ten days. We were there as the as the people collected the body parts and 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 the bodies of and and walked them to the refrigeration trucks. We were there to be with the the workers and and uh, and 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 just bring the testimony of Jesus uh, into the midst of the darkness and and death. And that event, I can just say in closing, significantly changed my life. Um, mm. 
in that that Psalm 23, I think my gospel before it was that um, that he's there in the valley of the shadow of death, but he takes us out. Um, the fact that he's in it and keeps us in it and that there's comfort inside that yellow tape was life transforming for me um, and has ever since empowered me to live uh, a pastoral life where people are inside the tape. I'm speaking with Bishop Thaddeus Barnum, my friend, my colleague, uh, my brother who walks the walk of Jesus Christ uh, with me and with you. Bishop Thad, thank you for sharing that incredibly personal testimony of your time back uh, in Pittsburgh uh, during that uh, disaster. Um, uh, did anything you have experienced, your time at seminary, um, prior to that, prepare you for that sort of ministry? Um, so, uh, uh, absolutely, a hundred percent, no. Um, and what I mean by that is, I, I actually looked in the eyes of um, those who were um, uh, going to to the site, the workers who deal with emergencies, and I don't think. I don't think anybody was prepared for 132 suddenly there who had perished. Um, I can tell you, growing up, that that live, I, I did a, a summer in the in the ER uh, with what, what's called clinical pastoral education, mm. CPE, it's called uh, in training, and the living in the ICU, living in the ER, um, uh, was really painful for me because. Um, I, I wanted to fix people who were hurting because they made me hurt. Um, I, it was hard for me to step into people's pain and stay in their pain. Um, and, and so um, uh, this kind of a moment, uh, I found a more of an internal desire to, to not be part of it. And no, I, seminary did not train um, me for um, stepping into that kind of a, of a, of a trauma, of a tragedy. Um, but I'm not sure, I'm, I'm not sure um, sometimes there is much uh, except for the actual being and doing and, and stepping into that. Does that make sense? It does. Uh, I'm remembering, uh, Bishop Thad, uh, when I uh, concluded uh, my ministry as a rector in uh, a congregation in New Zealand, one of the lay leaders who uh, took part of the leadership team in the interim period uh, before a new minister was appointed called me up one day and he said, Julian, I knew while you were the rector, your ministry was difficult, but I didn't realize until you had gone and some of us tried to step in to take up the reins that it was impossible. Mm. And he was being serious. Yeah. Um, and so do, 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 do lay leaders, do lay people uh, understand the, the unique um, challenges, peculiarities uh, of what it means to be a clergy leader in the church, where you have to be skilled somewhat at administration one hour, and then, like you, dealing with a plane crash in the Pennsylvania fields the next hour. Well, I think that's a an important and a, and a vital question to ask. I um, I think sometimes. Uh, the reason that that sometimes our our leaders and our churches don't understand it 
uh, is that we do our best to put on our best face. Um, and so yes. I, I often think that it's, it's, it's that it's that we're so um, unwilling to be that transparent about our own internal story that we put a mask on a face on of the competent pastor. Uh, and so when they ask how we're doing and we say, we're, we've, we've got this, um, we're doing well. Um, and you'll find this a lot, even in, in, in those who are uh, caregivers that uh, they'll oftentimes not have the willingness to be transparent and say, um, I can't do this. Or would you pray for me? I, that piece, for example, in Ephesians 6, when after discussing the armor, um, the armor of God at the end of Ephesians 6, and, and it says, pray at all times in the spirit. And then, and then Paul says, pray also for me. And so I think, I think part of that, that, that of, of being a, a, an apostle like that and saying, you've got to know, I need your prayers, that kind of transparency, I think, sometimes blocks our leaders in our churches from seeing the weight of what you're saying. Um, so um, I don't know if that's a helpful response, but I wish sometimes we had that kind of courage to say, you know what, this has been a hard week for me. Um, does that make sense to you? It does. And it reminds us, uh, I've been ordained now almost 30 years. And at the beginning, I wanted to put on that invincible face. I can do anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to stand and I'm going to, I'm going to be victorious in Christ. And yet as, as experience presents itself. Yes. And as you trust your grown wisdom and integrity, you realize, in fact, that you're not invincible, that there are others who are equally and more so gifted than you are, and the need to be honest mm. and to reach out for help, to ask people to stand alongside you is so very important. And it's very difficult, isn't it, for, for many of our leaders, lay and ordained, to acknowledge that we need support because, and you tell tell uh, those listening, Bishop Thad Barnum, uh, my experience is, and I wonder if it's yours, that reaching out for help can sometimes be seen as failure. Well, I'm I'm really glad that you said that because um, uh, a number of years ago, I read a, a book called Resilient Ministry by um, a group of, of people that were funded by the Lilly Foundation to study pastors. And um, and what we were finding, what they found in a seven-year study of pastors in North America in different ways, is um, that the ability for the pastor to self-care, um, to care for their soul, uh, was sorely lacking on several different planes. Um, I then read uh, a wonderful book by a fellow um, Anglican priest and, and uh, extraordinary gifted professor and writer by the name of Lyle Dorset, uh, dear man, dear friend, who wrote um, on, on the life of the spiritual formation of C.S. Lewis. And, and the one piece about his book on C.S. Lewis's own formation is that he had a place to go. He had a confessor. He had, he had this kind of safe environment where um, he didn't have to be somebody that somebody needed him to be. Um, 
And and so what I what I want to say is is that um, you know five years ago, I felt like you and our colleagues of uh, Bishop set me aside to 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 really make soul care the uh, a part of our life together, and and reintroduce this kind of discipline, so that pastors have got a safe place to go. Does that make sense? It does. And uh, I'm conscious of that beautiful quotation that I've read of yours. I'm going to read it. Um, We give and give and give and forget we've got to receive to give. It's that simple. That's what soul care is. We help each other put our eyes back on Jesus until he fills us to the full and we find he's everything to us Again, just just um, Bishop Thad Barnum, unpack that for us, because there may be some listening who's saying, how could we ever get to the place where he's not everything to us? But so often in ministry, we give and we give and we give and we give and we give so much that we burn out. Just quite help correct. us understand that. Yeah. And so and so the, the problem, um, let, let me just do a case study um, so that so we've got uh, something tangible um, during these covid times uh, there. There's uh, I was I've been working alongside a, a pastor where um, for the for the most part, um, uh, uh, this has been a challenge to many pastors to try to survive uh, the changes that have and the anxieties and the fears that have been part of this these last couple of months, and um, and this pastor in particular got um, got destabilized, um, and so you know putting on the face as we all do, and doing the best to have confidence and reaching out and pastoring and caring and inventing church online and all these different aspects, and what we found was is he began to relapse into an old sin. Uh, and as a, as a place, he didn't know what else. He, he found himself relapsing into into old patterns. And what happened is is that is that um, inside inside he he determined that he was he he felt too ashamed to tell anybody and and go anywhere with it. And so and so feeling like you just like we had mentioned, like he was a, a failure, feeling shame, feeling guilt. He determined he'd fix it himself. Um, and I think that that became the, the the ground of I can do this, I can handle this, I can I, I can get over this. I'm stronger than it. Uh, and and so here he is giving and giving and giving, and yet inside he's dying. Um, and the principle of Matthew ten eight is freely we receive, freely give. And so we give because we got. And if we get, then we're changed by it. We can give it. But if we don't get and we're not changed, what we've got to give is after our own strength. And like you said, we burn out. Um, By the time he got help, um, by the time I got a call to come alongside, uh, his marriage was in jeopardy. He was in jeopardy. His pastorate was in jeopardy. And so so what I want to say to you is is that we've got to have environments where we say, I can't go alone. I'm not designed to go alone. We belong to the body of Christ. There are safe places to come. And, and when we have a safe place, uh, we come alongside and we go to Jesus. We ask we ask eyes on Jesus. Uh, that wonderful passage from uh, Hebrews 12, you know, laying aside every sin and every encumbrance. And that's part of the, of the, of the design. 
um, I asked him at his very lowest point, do you believe that the Lord's going to heal you and break the power of this sin that you relapsed into? And he said, you know, in my head, yes, but in my heart, no, I, it's bigger than me. And, mm. and I said, thank you. Jesus is bigger than you. That's the whole point of it. We don't do this alone. And um, I was so grateful that he and his wife uh, allowed just a, a small community to come around interceding and praying until we began to taste the freedom of the breaking of that power of sin in his life. And, um, and I can tell you today, that power is broken. Um, and I praise God mm. for that because that is what the Lord Jesus does. The danger, the deceptive danger is because I'm brilliant, I'm a great preacher, I've got a doctorate in this, or I've got a, a, a huge success in this ministry, uh, uh, as people can boast in, uh, can actually leave somebody extraordinarily alone and isolated and a prey to the devil to pick them off. Uh, and Julian, you must know those, uh, Bishop Julian, you must know those stories. And, and, and how thankful we are that through individuals like you and others, people are receiving support and care. You're involved in a ministry now called Soul Care. It's part of what you do, caring for our clergy and pastors uh, who are giving of themselves so that they continue to give of themselves faithfully uh, in the service of, of our Lord's Church. Um, you mentioned just before the, the, the isolation that clergy feel. Isn't that heightened right? now because of the COVID situation and the, the distancing, the social distancing, the, the many church services that have had to move online, clergy are even more and more isolated uh, from one another and from others. Are there, perhaps what could we call them, are there, there warning signs, signposts that you might signal to clergy who are listening to this episode to be alert to? You know, what I've been finding, you're so kind to ask these questions. Um, yeah, so um, my work has been to be a place where um, uh, pastors can actually go on, on our web and, and be able to sign up and just allow FaceTime to come alongside. Um, it is not, I think for us as pastors, it's not a normal reflex. Um, and And so... Um, when we're allowed to come alongside and find a safe place to share and can actually be in an environment where we can state what, I, what I'm finding is um, I found a number of pastors during this time. Yes, even more isolated. Um, one of the telltale signs, I would say, Bishop Julian, the beginnings, beginning sign is I hear the expression, I'm just so tired. Um, I'm just exhausted. Um, it, it's, it's so interesting. I, I, I asked a question, have you slept well? Did you sleep last night? Uh, has there been a general pattern of sleep? Um, and oftentimes I'll get a response of actually, I, the answer is yes, not only am I sleepy, I feel like I get up in the morning and I want to go back to bed and I don't want to get up. I don't want to get out. I don't want to face the day. Um, and what we're seeing here isn't actual necessarily physical exhaustion. But it's a depletion emotionally, spiritually inside, a dryness um, that, that uh, begins to take shape. And, and you get little signs like um, what normally takes this amount of time to get something done takes longer. Or we feel like we can't focus, um, feel like there's kind of a, like a brain fog. Um, emotions can be like um, 
in different places. You're talking to somebody and all of a sudden you start to tear up and you don't even know why. Um, it surprises you. Um, does that, little signs like that can be telltale signs. Like something little happens that should normally not cause a reaction and suddenly you're upset by it. You're, you're impassioned by it. You're, 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 um, you're emotionally moved beyond a normative reaction. Uh, so I would say to you, there are signs where grief or sadness or anger begin to just simply be part of the conversation. Um, and if that is happening to one of the listeners out there right now, what I want to say is, please don't go alone. Um, we need to find those people in our life that are safe, that we can actually go to and say, I'm going through something. Would you pray with me? Would you would you come alongside me in this? Um, does that make sense, Bishop Julian? Yes, that's very meaningful and powerful. Thank you so much. We're going to put a link to Bishop Thad's ministry in the show notes portion of this podcast. And I want to encourage very especially the clergy who are listening to this episode, um, don't don't do this alone. Um, uh, you'll have heard some of those triggers. Many of them will be um, uh, at some stage of development in your own life right now. Reach out now. Uh, it's good to reach out. It's okay to reach out. It's important to reach out. Uh, and doing so will help to equip you and support you for many years of ministry um, to come. Bishop Thad, I want to ask two final things, uh, a little unrelated, a second, for, um, most definitely the second one. But uh, firstly, you, you've written a number of books, um, and you've you've written um, a series of books. Uh, if I if I get them right, uh, real mercy, real love, real identity, real courage. Um, there may be another one. If there is, tell us. Um, can you just ex uh, tell us about those and um, and why you wrote them? Oh, that's so kind of you. I um, that particular series um, uh, came out of uh, published by the Wesleyan Publishing House. Um, the, the chief editor in those days had actually published a book called Never Silent that I'd written about the formation beginning of um, our Anglican Church of North America and. And, and watching these extraordinary South, um, global South Anglican leaders come to America to help us in a time of crisis. And he got interested in the way I wrote Never Silent. And we did a series of four devotionals, and they were called the Real Series. And you just listed them, um, where Bible and life meet. In other words, don't just give me the academics. You've got to ask, how does this apply to the to the maturity of us as Christians? That's discipleship, not just the, the education of the mind, but the building of godly character. And so these are literally devotions uh, uh, spanning different topics uh, that um, that were designed to, to to disciple, grow, put Bible and life together. So that we're allowing the word of God by the spirit of God to grow us as a people of God into strong, godly character, maturity, so as to be empowered to be witnesses out into the world. And um, brief answer, but thank you for mentioning it. It's um, and, and to be honest, we're, we try to give those books away as much free as possible uh, to, to pastors and churches that um, want resources and can't afford them. 
Well, thank you for that. And again, we'll put a link uh, to those in the show notes of this episode. Final question is this. Back in 2001, uh, you were consecrated a bishop long before uh, the Anglican Church in North America existed. Um, uh, uh, You've been through a significant um, realigning of Anglicanism, not just in North America, but globally. Uh, You've watched as the Anglican Church in North America has formed. Um, uh, Are you optimistic or otherwise about Anglicanism and the future of the church? Oh my gosh, that's a that's a, a really powerful question, um, and I, I think it has a certain power because our our, our world, our culture has changed. Um, our culture has become stronger in defiance to the Word of God. It just has, and that defiance, that rebellion. Uh, to our Lord and to His Word, has crept into areas of the church, and and been and been uh, capturing uh, how we understand the Word. It's putting culture into the very heart of the church. To say it another way, in a biblical image, of putting the golden calf in front of the altar of the Lord, and trying to sanctify the altar of the Lord with the golden calf. And these two do not belong together. Um, And so what we're seeing on the global, um, in the global Anglicanism, we're actually seeing also reflected in other denominations is the splitting apart of, uh, of those who are not going to compromise. They're not, we're, we're not going to allow there to be an inclusiveness of the golden calf. Um, we actually need that episodic moment of Acts 15 when another gospel is trying to creep in and for the, the community to gather together and to say, this is what belongs to us. This is what our Father, by the Holy Spirit, to the glory of our beloved Savior, has entrusted to us. And we cannot, with all compassion, all compassion, we cannot compromise this. And that is where my hope is that that in the Gafcon movement there's a a result. A Gafcon meaning those who um, have belonged to this global historic platform of of believing that this gospel entrusted uh, must be guarded and defended uh, once for all. Um, I say that by saying there is a contending there, uh, and. Uh, my prayer has been that the that the piece of Anglicanism that will continue to grow strong within this Gafcon movement uh, is compassion, and yet, in the same echo of Acts 15, it seems good to us and to the Holy Spirit. We cannot compromise here. Uh, we must stay firm. If we stay firm to this gospel, this gospel in its pure spiritual milk of the word, has the power to change lives. If we compromise it, we lose its strength, its power. This gospel has got the power of salvation. And I, I say that by saying, this is not, um, this is not say, uh, uh, to, the, to those who are in rebellion, we want nothing to do with you. We have compassion on those who hold a different place. But um, that's where my hope is, Bishop Julian, this um, this strength that belongs to those who down to the centuries have died for this faith are still dying for this faith. Because in compassion, oh, thank you, Jesus, that golden calf has got to come down 
so that the Lord might be honored in all ways and defended, and so that the people might have the the wonderful gift of this great Savior and what he did on the cross to rescue and to save us, to be his people forever. Um, if we leaders compromise this gospel, um, we do it our, at our own peril uh, because then we compromise the very vaccine that can bring healing power in the pandemic of sin. Bishop Thad Barnum, what an incredible gift from God you are to all of us uh, in the Anglican Church. Uh, it, it is a privilege for me to call you a brother and a friend. Thank you so much for being on this episode of Living Through the Word. Thank you for sharing your heart with us, sir. Oh, thank you so much. We just love your diocese. And, uh, and, and Bishop Julian, we love you. And Brenda, thank you for this delightful time together with you. At the Anglican Diocese of the Living Word, we're here to equip and edify your walk with Christ. To find out more about the ongoing ministry of the diocese, including details about our uh, repositioned and redated 2020 missions conference and synod, visit us online at adlw.org. And as always, share this podcast with your friends and subscribe on the podcast player of your choice. I'm Julian Dobbs, and this has been Living Through the Word. I commend you to God and to the word of his grace.